0: Barry Soper is our political editor in with us now. Hi, Barry.
1: Good afternoon, Heather.
0: That official cash rate, record hike, that hike that's really going to hurt people, right?
1: Yes, it is. Um, you know, at uh, 4.25%. Um, it is significant, but it, um, like you mentioned, Heather, Adrian, or the governor of the Reserve Bank says, we ain't heard the last of it yet. Next year is going to be a really tough one. I think many of us thought this year was going to be tough, but. Um, looks as though this year will have nothing on what we're going to experience next year. Uh, He says um, there'll be a period of negative GDP growth um, and uh, likely to be about 1% uh, during the second half of last year. So it is tough. And um, just think about it here, sucking money out of people's pockets uh, to pay for their higher mortgage rates is a bit like The Grinch Who Stole Christmas don't go out and buy any Christmas presents because you're going to fuel inflation. And when you look at the um, whole housing cycle, the government, uh, of course, it was determined to make first home buying affordable. Cheap interest rates caused many to over leverage, uh, taking out loans, believing with good reason, I might say, that the rates were going to stay low for some time. How wrong they were and how those who determined the rates also got it so wrong. So. There's something obscene about uh, the central banker doling out uh, cheap money to the trading banks so that they can lend it to stretched uh, would-be homeowners. Um, Nothing obscene about the bank uh, profits, though. Uh, The OCR, in my view, Heather, and it has been, I remember when it came, and it's a blunt tool to control inflation, and that's all it's used for. It's the only benefit, uh, really, for the banks, and uh, there's something inherently unfair about that.
0: Barry, what about Megan Woods this morning on Mike Hosking's show, blaming the farmers for the coastal and geothermal waters being in three waters?
1: <laughs> yeah, look, um, federated farmers. When I heard her say that here, that seemed like a convenient excuse. For trying to clean up this mess. And I'm not surprised they're angry. And I understand you're going to be talking to them later in your program. Uh, they're angry at being used in this way, in a political way. But that's not unusual for this government. Think about the use of Business New Zealand and that fair pay agreement lead up. And there are many other examples. Um, Ewe still, as far as I can see it, still have a binding say, and their influence was justified in Parliament this afternoon by the three waters architect, local government minister, Nanaima, who to Have a listen to her reply to National's lo- local government spokesman, Simon Watts.
2: In terms of who develops Te Manaute statements, because this essentially is grounded in holistic concepts of relationships to water bodies... That is why the Water Services Entities Bill ensure that iwi, mana, whenua are developing these statements. Is it three waters or five? This is about ensuring we have safe drinking water, better environmental uh, outcomes, ensuring that we protect source water, the use of it in whatever form, but also when water gets discharged back to our lakes, rivers, streams and beaches, we won't end up with no swim notices.
1: I'm still confused, um, but uh, oh, no, know, I can see. explain that
0: for you, Barry. That is the um, classic <laughs> case of <laughs> not you, answering God. a question and reading from a pre-prepared <laughs> statement.
1: Oh, I'm sure there's absolutely a lot of truth in that. Uh, what ACT would argue, and they put up a statement this afternoon. They say that the minister, uh, it's at odds with previous responses as to what Tamanaoty statements are for. She said for the combined benefit of communities. Now, if they are for the benefit of communities, why then are only a certain number of people in that community allowed to say? And that's Māori, of course.
0: Yeah, that's a fair point. Actually, I'm going to come back to that in just a take. Barry, um, how on earth do we end up in a situation where we're paying, honestly, eye-watering amounts of money into mental health, which I'm happy about, but then getting absolutely no outcome when it comes to beds? That's crazy, isn't it?
1: Well, you remember, you know, when they announced it, more than a billion dollars, I think it was from memory about $1.7 billion in one of the budgets they put into uh, mental health uh, with uh, great fanfare, I might might say. But look, I um, heard Andrew Little, well, you, you look at, uh, you mentioned beds, You get, they had 608 beds for acute mental health uh, patients, uh, Five uh, and five years later, they've got also 608 mm. beds, so nothing's changed there. But look, I did feel, and not often I feel sorry for um, government ministers these days, but Andrew Little, um, there's a lot of infrastructure apparently to go along uh, with that building uh, for mental health patients, and uh, that's been held up, as we know, building in this country is very difficult, uh, not the least with the RMA, which is being reformed, but with building supplies as well. So... There is an element of an excuse there, but uh, look, it's um, certainly uh, not good when you look at the figures.
0: Barry, thank you. Barry Soap, political editor.